Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, knit, and decorate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. I'm Stephanie here with you, and the topic of today's episode is easy fall sewing, crochet, and knitting projects. Before I get into all that good stuff, there are a couple of things to address first. You may or may not have noticed that this episode has posted a couple days late, and I am very sorry about that. I did not like the solo episode I had prepared, so I scrapped it, started over with a different topic. The reason I didn't like the episode is that it overlapped a bit too much on a previous episode I did a couple years ago about the different types of fabrics, weights, fibers, etc., and how best to use them in projects. It's not a total repeat topic, but it was a bit too all-encompassing with information that needs to be separated into smaller digestible categories. Uh, so in other words, it needs a bit of work. <laughs> Plus, I really like the topic that this episode ended up being, and I hope you all enjoy it as well. I do have an exciting update about my Make and Decorate Patreon group. Starting this week, the follow feature will be replaced with the option for fans to join for free. The free membership option will allow fans to access posts that are marked for everyone. Fans will also have the option to upgrade to the paid tiers to unlock more premium features like the monthly bonus episode, premium level posts, and tier rewards. This is what I always thought was lacking in Patreon, which then prompted me to add my Mighty Networks free membership group. Mighty Networks didn't really work well because it was yet another pl uh, platform to, to direct you to, you know, in addition to my website, podcast blogs, Patreon, and Instagram. So now I will close down my Mighty Networks group and coming this week, head on over to patreon.com slash make and decorate and join free. If at a later point you wish to upgrade to a paid tier, you can easily do so. For the month of October, I will unlock a few of the premium level posts for the free members to try out. Uh, so yeah, I look forward to all of you hopping on over to Patreon and, and joining us in the group. Alrighty, on to the main topic of this episode. Easy fall sewing, crochet, and knitting projects. I did extensive research on project ideas with links to fabrics and patterns for small, easy makes throughout the autumn months leading to winter. There are a lot, lot of links that will be in the show notes of this episode for you. The majority of the projects I talk about are sewing related, but there are a few specific crochet and knitting ones as well. All of these projects can be made for yourself as, or as gifts, of course. First off, since October starts tomorrow, uh, as I am recording and posting this today, Saturday, last day of September, 
Halloween is a big holiday that some are more enthusiastic about than others. And I have some interesting statistics on which states decorate for Halloween more than others when they begin to decorate along with what decorations are their favorites. A new study finds one in three Americans say they're decorating for Halloween the first week of October. So with 79% of Americans decorating for Halloween in 2023, more than half are also planning to get in the DIY spirit and carve pumpkins this year. I've always loved carving pumpkins. I mean, I still love it. I actually, up until, I don't know, the pandemic maybe, uh, I carved pumpkins every year, every October. I mean, like well into my adult decades uh, because it's so much fun. And uh, I also have little nieces and nephews that make it even more fun. Um but uh, anyway, I just think it's so much fun. It's a very fun activity for anyone to do in the um, month of October. The report also analyzed Google search trends to find out which cities decorate the most for Halloween, along with the most popular Halloween decoration in each state. I will put a link to the study done by Lombardo Homes, where you can find where your state ranks in Halloween spirit. So I'll just go over a few of the highlights from the study. The spookiest cities are Denver, Las Vegas, Baltimore, Nashville, and Seattle. The states decorating the most, Utah's number one, followed by West Virginia, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Delaware. Top three Halloween decorations this year, number one, pumpkins, number two, corn stalks, and number three, skeletons. In the study of cities with the most Halloween spirit, <laughs> my city of Chicago ranked third to last, and that is out of 30 cities. Um, and the black cat is Chicago's favorite decoration, according to this Google study. So the last three cities with the least Halloween spirit are Chicago, Los Angeles, and dead last is New York. All big cities. Bah humbugs, right? <laughs> but aren't Chicago and New York already Gotham-like? I mean, the Batman movies are filmed here in Chicago. And uh, I mean, that's, that's enough of a Halloween scene as you can get. Uh, so who are the top five cities with the most Halloween spirit? I already went through some of those, but I'm going to repeat. So counting down from number five to the number one city with the most Halloween spirit is number five, Seattle, number four, Nashville, number three, Baltimore, number two, Las Vegas, and the number one city with the most Halloween spirit is Denver. I totally get Las Vegas. I mean, you can dress up in costumes every day of the year, but Denver was a total surprise for me. So if you're in Denver, have a great Halloween month because your city is has the most Halloween spirit this year of 2023. Then there are top 10 Halloween decorations in America. Number one are pumpkins. Number two are corn stalks. Three skeletons. 
four black cats, five witches, six tombstones, seven spiders and spider webs, eight crow, nine bats, and number 10, ghosts. That's fun. It's a fun list. The study also found that Americans are spending more on their Halloween decor this year, spending an average of $87. I guess this is a lot more than was spent last year's average at $61. Finally, well, there is a reason for that too. I'm not sure if they're actually spending more or if things are actually costing more this year. (laughs) Finally, when are the most people starting their Halloween decorating? There are some that start before Halloween. Those are like the most enthusiastic people. Uh, And most people put their decorations up the first week of October and they spend on average three hours decorating time. This is so much fun. I love it. Halloween, like I said, has always been since childhood a favorite holiday of mine. It's just a really fun time of year. There's no stress of gift giving or family entertaining, carving real pumpkins, drinking hot cider, caramel apples and costumes. It's just the best. And and it's not uh, normally where we are, the weather is still really sort of good. I, I mean, it could be, you know, chilly and rainy, but You're still, you know, not in a blizzard or super cold. It's just really beautiful sweater weather and the scents of fall are just at their maximum. And in mid-October is normally the time where our area peaks with autumn color. Uh, And I can already see some of the leaves turning on the trees now. So um, it's going to be, it's a fun time between now and the end of October for all of the beautiful color and autumnal um, activities. Here are some ideas of what you can make for Halloween. And the fastest projects with loads of cuteness are coasters. And I mean, you can't have too many coasters, right? Coasters, uh, the standard size of them are around four inches square or five inches square, and they can easily be made really quickly and um, in assembly form if you're making them for gifts. But it's kind of fun to have seasonal coasters. So for Halloween, I found these ghost coasters. They're very cute. It's a, a big shape of the white, you know, typical white ghost with the, the two black eyes. Uh, in them and the shape of them makes a really nice uh, coaster surface and the pattern is by a spoonful of sugar on Etsy and I have an idea too where you don't even need to follow a pattern and you can make candy corn coasters by sewing three fabric strips together and then you make a triangle with rounded corners template in a coaster size, like five by five, and uh, cut that out across, you know, vertically up and down the three strips of fabric that have been pieced together. Uh, They could be evenly sized strips, or you could make the bottom strip a little bit larger and kind of incrementally get smaller to the top. You could do those in traditional candy corn colors, 
or, you know, make them neon colors. It's just, uh, you know, when you make things, the options are endless and you give your home um, a really customized look. And of course, it's been handmade by you. There are also bat coasters, um, a pattern on Etsy shop by Deb Day's Designs. Those are really cute. And she had them done, of course, in black fabric. And the bat shapes are just really, really cool. Uh, so they make really um, nice Halloween coasters. If you're not really that enthusiastic about Halloween decorating, um, just to change it for fall and Thanksgiving, then do pumpkin coasters because those, I mean, actually you could, you could have started with pumpkin coasters the first day of September if you wanted to. <laughs> and some people probably did. They can carry you out all the way through the end of November and um, until you start getting your, um, you know, holiday, Christmas, whatever, Hanukkah decorating stuff going on. So pumpkin coasters, there is a really cute pattern by Minky Kim. She's got a lot of cute pumpkin designs. So there's also a pumpkin pot holder pattern by Minky Kim and an oven mitt. And the templates, the pattern templates are free. You can download them from her website. And I have a link to the pumpkin coasters pattern uh, in the show notes. Pearl Soho has also has a free pattern called Fall Leaves Coaster, and they are made from felt. And um, it's really cute because they're made with with two um, layers of felt, and it's in a shape of like a, a large um, maple leaf. And they have two designs where um, one design, the maple leaf is in like a really nice, vibrant, burnt orange. And then the top of the maple leaf is leaf is in sort of like a neutral um, taupe color. And uh, it's it's a very nice crafty project with very little sewing. Uh, you basically really are cutting out the shapes of the bottom and the top of the leaf coaster in felt. So that means... Um, that the edges do not have to be finished and they won't fray. And then the um, veining of the leaf is just drawn um, inside on the top layer of this coaster and you just cut around the lines that you've made and then that creates a window to the burnt orange color. And then all you do after that is stitch around um, all of those shapes and you can do the outline of the second leaf um, to uh, attach it to the bottom layer and they are so pretty they they are even a bit more elegant looking if if that um, is what you prefer uh, they're really fun so that is a pearl soho free pattern made from felt and then of course I have a lot of links for panels. There are Halloween panels, and I have several of these I will mention. And also, a lot of these links, I purposely looked at different um, resources. So to give, you know, a wide range of shops and 
I, I shop from, you know, anywhere and everywhere <laughs> online. Um, and some of these I shop more often. I love Shabby Fabrics, uh, Missouri Star, Fat Quarter Shop, Hawthorne, all of those. So Shabby Fabrics has a Glow-O-Ween panel by Canvas Studios. And uh, the panel is really cute, but the the cool thing about it as is that it um, glows in the dark. So like the white ghosts in the moon, um, there's skeletons, those will all glow in the dark. Uh, and so it's so cute. And this is a, a really cute panel. Um, it's... Um, like a, a black and gray background scene of that typical haunted house on a hill with the scary trees, but it's done in a cute way. So this would be cute if you have kids because the ghosts flying around are very cute, cute faces. Um, there's a cute little mummy uh, carrying a trick-or-treat <laughs> pumpkin and there's a cute little Frankenstein. So it is a fun and cute Halloween panel. And uh, so panels are a really kind of like a shortcut way to make projects, but they also elevate your project into making it look like you spent so much more time on this project than you actually really are going to spend on it. So that's another reason why panels are really uh, fun to work with. And a lot of times I even overlook panels. Um, so I really kind of spent some time looking for panels because right now we're entering that time of year where our time is very limited and tight and we've got so much going on. Uh, so if there is a project that can, um, create a shortcut, but you can still get your sewing time and your making in, um, this is the way to do it. So that one is, um, I've got a link to Shabby Fabrics for the glow Oween panel. And also don't forget glow in the dark thread. There's so many brands now, any there's, there's stuff on Amazon. I have a link to Amazon for Wonderfill Glow in the Dark Thread. And this Wonderfill is 40 weight, which is a nice thick top stitch weight, and it'll produce a really nice visible glow. So you could quilt that glow in the dark panel with glow in the dark thread to even make it more glowy. Um, and there is also hand embroidery glow in the dark thread by DMC. Joanne sells that. So I think, uh, you know, all of these um, fabric and thread manufacturers have really jumped on this Halloween bandwagon and created these uh, really cool uh, notions, threads and fabrics to make um, really nice things for Halloween decorations and costumes. Glow in the dark thread would make great costumes. Uh, the only thing is, though, that glow in the dark thread lasts about 15 minutes and then it will reactivate when exposed to light. It'll last a lot longer under black light. So let's say if you're having like a fun little Halloween party and you've got black lights up, that that panel, glow-in-the-dark panel, and costumes made with the glow-in-the-dark thread will last a lot longer under the black light. Or 
Another thing you could do is use wearable rope light. That can be stitched or glued onto fabric items and costumes, and those lights will last a long time with AA batteries. Uh, so, man, the technology is so great in the fashion and home deck um, industries. There, you could find, of course, anything and everything on Amazon. So um, that is where I saw some of this, I and mean, I have a link to wearable rope light. All right, hopping on over to Missouri Star, they have a Wicked Eve Haunted House panel by Timeless Treasures. And this one is a bit um, more, I don't know, I guess adult and sort of home decor-ish like because it looks like an old artwork, black and white. Again, with the um, haunted house mansion and the scary trees with a, um, a really cool wrought iron fence at the front. And it's all black and white tones, black, gray and white. Uh, they call it a black, gray and white outdoor scene of a haunted house, a gothic gate, crows and trees. Something wicked this way comes. So uh, that one is um, really cool if, again, the uh, you don't want like this um, bright colored um, de decor. Uh, this will fit right into like really um, neutral rooms and then you can still have a bit of uh, Halloween decor in the space. Fat Quarter Shop. They have um, that collection, Witchy and Spooky Fabrics, uh, and you can make your own panel out of these. This is the collection where when it very first came out several years ago, it was called Spooky and Sweet. Um, I loved it so much, and I ordered a bunch of the fabrics, and I've only used a little bit of it, but uh, I really need to use that. But man, and I, I've been good because I have not, <laughs> I have not purchased any more of that you know, spooky and sweet, spookier and sweeter. And now this one is called spooky and witchy um, yet. But I really like this spooky and witchy collection. Um, they've got a really cute, um, it, the collection this year has a little bit more strong neon colors into the collection, but it still has um, some of those colors that are in all of their collections. What I like about them continuing on this um, collection with new fabrics every year is that they keep it within uh, a range of the original colors. And there's like that really um, dusty mauve color. But then these um, liquid magic sour is what it's called, which is basically they're a bunch of bottles of potions they've added like a really deep magenta and a neon green on a black background, but then the labels of some of the bottles are in that mauve color. So it makes that connection to those um, other uh, colors that are similar across the lines. Uh, so that one, and what's another cute one? Oh, they've got these, um, they're called Wicked Blooms, and the background of that fabric is orange, and it has what looks like, I don't know, it could be like um, a mum 
or yeah, it kind of looks like a mum flower, but in the center of the flower are um, skull heads and they're not scary, but they're cute. So they're like flowers with the centers that are skull heads and they're these branches of flowers. So I, I, I like the play on that because it goes from like a classic botanic pattern with a little, you know, uh, nod to Halloween with um, some whimsy. Uh, they also have a diagonal stripe uh, in a two-tone purple. It's so cute. I'm really, really, you know, purple is one of my favorite colors. So I've got my eye on that one, but I'm not ordering it yet. <laughs> oh, um, so that is at Fat Quarter Shop. And um, they just have like, there's another one, Spooky in which you want to hang. And this is a um, deep fuchsia magenta color background. And then there's a really small scale black bat that is in vertical linear stripes. So cute. That would just make a great binding or backing um, or a border around a panel. Uh, there's so many cute things out there uh, that you can make really nice um, Halloween anything, home decor, costumes, decorations, uh, you name it. Northcott Fabrics has black cat capers panel and quilt patterns. I did a link to Northcott Fabrics because Northcott is a Canadian fabric company, and although it is sold, you know, and probably you might find some in your local quilt shop, but I didn't find a lot of this available in online fabric shops. So I just did a link to the Northcott website to the Black Cat Capers. It's such a cute and um, different you know, it it actually reminds me, it's it's a bit more elegant again, um, I would say. But also if you love cats, this is this is the collection for you. And they have a beautiful panel. And the general size of panels are usually they're usually about 24 inches wide by 43 inches long. Uh, just to give you an idea. And it is the perfect size if you were just to um, layer it up with batting and a backing and quilt it, hang it on a door as a door panel would be really perfect for that. Or you can make an entire lap quilt out of it by adding a border and some quilt blocks to it. Uh, so uh, you could also even convert it to an apron, but they have already done that in Northcott. And there is a really cute... Um, it's all in one panel. It is the pieces for an apron and oven mitts. So cute. The oven mitts have um, a bunch of pumpkins on them, but they're all layered up like mounded pumpkins and they're all different colors. And then the actual main focal point design, like the statement um, Part of this fabric panel and in the apron is the same thing, is a window scene. It's like an arched window, and there's a big full moon, 
um, outside of it with three bats in front of the moon with some um, scary tree branches. And then inside the window is the black cat looking up out at the full moon. And then the cat is surrounded by these beautiful pumpkins, uh, orange, white. And then there is one that is black and white checkered harlequin. And there's an orange black and orange harlequin pattern that cart sort of adds a little bit of the elegance to it and also just the way that it's done with the um the colors and the shading uh makes it a bit more artistic and sophisticated uh there's all these other um accompanying coordinating fabrics to go with it but um if you are familiar with Mackenzie and Childs it's a high-end home deck um, company and their signature pattern is the black and white check this sort of reminds me of that all right so that actually finishes up the um, Halloween uh, panels and now I'm going to move beyond Halloween and uh go into Thanksgiving. So, and for us in America, after Halloween, it is all about Thanksgiving. Um, the Canadian Thanksgiving is always earlier than ours. Usually it's in September, but this year, Canadian Thanksgiving is um, actually coming up. It's on the 9th of October. So for um, Thanksgiving and just general fall vibes of projects. I'm going to go to fabric panels again because they're so versatile and um, they just produce really nice quick results. Um, so Thanksgiving panels. Moda. There is the link of this one goes to Seams So Perfect Quilt Shop. There's This is actually a, a brick and mortar quilt shop in Maine, but they also have an online website. And I did so well up until this point of my research with restraint from just, you know, pressing add to my cart. I did not do any of that until now. And this Moda <laughs> Harvest Wishes panel is so beautiful. It has a, it's hard to describe the color of blue, but it's sort of a midnight blue, but light enough where you can tell that it's blue. It's like a very dark teal midnight blue. Beautiful. And um, it's just um, really pretty. So it says uh, pumpkin kisses and harvest wishes, but um, the there's a basket full of pumpkins and these pumpkins are not you know, there's some orange ones, but the other pumpkins are a couple of shades of blue, like a actual blue one and more of like that um, aqua e color blue and then some white ones. Uh, and it's just done very pretty, um, almost like a centerpiece would look like. I just like the colors, the blues. It's really a, um, an exit from your typical autumnal browns and and um, aubergines and burgundies and stuff like that and, and burnt oranges. So it really, um, I really, really love this. So <laughs> I did order the panel <laughs> and I ordered a half yard of um, the uh, coordinating fabric, which has a more of a light aqua background with little mini pumpkins all over it. 
Uh, so that I am going to just make a simple door panel um, and it's going to hang on a door in my kitchen, uh, which my kitchen, if I ever do get it painted, is going to be in the aqua blue green kind of wall color. Uh, so this would really go perfectly year after year in there. And it again is called Moda Harvest Wishes Panel and it's designed by Deb Strain. Stitch in Heaven has an autumn harvest flannel panel by Bonnie Sullivan for Maywood Studio. This panel is really also cute and it has more of that uh, folk wool design uh, to it. It looks like that it's all of appliqued, um, like wool appliques on there. It's really beautiful. There is a pumpkin, and out of the pumpkin is this sort of wild flower bouquet with like sunflowers and oak leaves and um, a branch with some berries on it. Very uh, traditional autumnal colors of the deep orange and sunflower gold yellows. And there's a very cute squirrel <laughs> um, approaching the pumpkin and there's a bird um, um, standing on top of the pumpkin looking at the squirrel. So it's if you like that type of uh, design, this one is really beautiful and it is out of flannel. That is from Stitch in Heaven. Again, the links are in the show notes. And then one more for fall is also by Northcott. It's called um, it's called Fall Harvest by Northcott. And this one, the link that I have on this one is on Amazon, actually. It's just a cute, um, happy fall panel. Uh, with a little bit more vibrant colors and an outdoor scene. It has a red Adirondack chair with a whole vignette of pumpkins, sunflowers, gourds, um, and uh, cornstalky wheat, wheat grass type of thing uh, all on the seat of the chair. There's a forest behind it in the background uh, with beautiful colored leaves. Um, scattered on the grass on the ground and then there's a border of sunflowers on the top and bottom and this panel is 28 inches wide by 43 inches long so it's just a really happy fun panel I just like when I saw it I was just like wow this is really vibrant and happy like looking at this makes me happy it makes me feel all the warm fuzzies of fall as I was looking at panels, I was not planning to go into winter or Christmas sewing projects or decorating, but I went there a little bit because sometimes you got to start now <laughs> for those types of projects as well. So I have a handful of Christmas, Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa uh, panels, starting with uh, Timeless Treasures Fabric. Um, and this is by Colorado Creations Quilting online website, Nature's Holiday Panel. This Colorado Creations Quilting, I've never ordered from them before, but it looks like they sort of specialize in panels because they have a very large selection of panels. And they also have a um, blog post with uh, a bunch of ideas on 
what to make with panels because sometimes you love the panel and then you're like well now what do I do with this panel well you'll find out by looking at and I have a link to that as well this nature's holiday fabric panel is a woodland scene and it's not so much Christmassy as it is winter uh, there's a it's just like a snowy forest scene there's deer and fox with a really fluffy tail bunnies birds and red cardinals uh and then there is a like a focus point on a um christmas type tree uh with snow in the branches and there are sparkling lights on that tree so it's very peaceful calm and uh, a pretty winter panel the next panel is oh i love this one oh my gosh i was so tempted but i had already ordered <laughs> that um hello or the pumpkin panel so this is something i'm going to keep my eye on uh i'm not going to order it just yet it is christmas and it's called white linen christmas by northcott northcott has a lot of really nice fabric collections that i am drawn to i seem to keep focusing on their fabrics but this one is a very home decor type of uh, fabric line. They've got uh, coordinating fabrics to go with the panel. And um, White Linen Christmas is the name of the collection. The panel has uh, like a grapevine wreath. Uh, and it has um, sort of like a white going into a green poinsettia. And it, it's very nicely done because... Um, I'm not like hugely a poinsettia type of a person. Um, I do like them, but I just am not overly gaga over them. But this one is so really well done. It's almost like watercolory uh, type of colors. And um, there's a couple of pine cones on the wreath. And then inside of the wreath are three pillar candles and... Um, with the uh, lit flames it's just very elegant and it's on a background of uh off-white linen the fabric itself is cotton so i i did really close-ups views on this fabric and um it is a very good printed photograph of linen fabric uh so it really could fool the eye it's almost like a trompe l'oeil um, and then on the top and the bottom are um, boughs of the same theme where there's a centered white into green poinsettia with little um, pine cones and um, other green greenery. Uh, eucalyptus is in there as well. I really like eucalyptus. It's very elegant. So again, this would go very easily into neutral decor rooms and um, still adds that little bit of pop of color with all the different shades of green and a little bit of the brown. So that's a panel, but they also have a placemat panel where there are four placemats. Really pretty. Uh, so you could also make that main panel into a table runner, but I love the placemats. Uh, it's just very beautiful. It, when this is made up into placemats and table runners and home decor, 
it really has a very elegant look to it that will look like you spent so much on it, but you actually made it yourself and it didn't cost a million dollars. Um, and I really love all of the fabrics in this collection. Literally love them all. Um, the um, They've got a couple of solid fabrics, which could be used as backings and around as borders or as binding. And it, it is that really soft, like eucalyptus green color. There's this the plain solid um, off-white color, the white linen color. Um, and there's tone-on-tone -tone pine tree um, boughs on one of the fabrics. So very soft, very elegant, neutral, but still has enough color to make it just gorgeous watercolor, beautiful. So uh, white linen Christmas. Oh my gosh, I want this fabric so bad. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Uh, okay. But you guys do it. I can live vicariously through you. And if you do, you should photograph and go to my Patreon group and post it. Post it. I think you can post photographs. Oh, gosh, that was another thing. I have to double check that now because I think I am the only one that can add posts with photos, but you can comment on them. Um, so if that's the case, then you can send me a photo of what you made and I will post it for you and give you, um, a shout out. Okay. Let's move on from that to Hanukkah. There's an Etsy shop called Pineapples and Poppies, and they have a fabric called Lamaka Hanukkah fabric by the yard. So this is not a panel, but I thought the fabric was so cute. <laughs> and I love llamas. Uh, it's another thing I love, but it's it's a whimsical Hanukkah fabric. So it's got um, a medium blue background and it has these white llamas that have the um, yarmulke hat. Now, I am not Jewish, so I don't know all the correct terms, but uh, some of the llamas do have the menorah candelabra. Uh, on its back that it's carrying and there's menorahs kind of in the background along with the white uh, stars so it's very cute and um, I have a link to this fabric and then I have there is a panel by Tara Reed, and she's a designer for Riley Blake Designs she has a Hanukkah apron panel it's really nice. It says family, food, friends, and it has dreidels. Uh, and then just, um, it, this is basically like, you've got some text on there, there that says Hanukkah traditions. And there's uh, pictures of dreidels and the Star of David and um, other things. So it's really well done. And what I also like about this apron panel um, uh, on the link that I give you to um, Tara Reed's website, she has the apron made up and the apron strap is thick and it has perfectly centered. It's almost like a border fabric, the uh, dreidel patterns and stars on it. So it's really pretty, really well done. And uh, yeah, I think that that would be um, a really nice project to make. Kwanzaa, there is a scene panel and fabric on Etsy. It's by Keith Mallet for Springs Creations. I have a link to that one. 
Uh, this one is very traditional, and it's almost like a storytelling uh, panel. Uh, and then there is fabric to go with it. So they also have a candelabra and just some traditional Kwanzaa figures. And it's really a beautiful fabric and could be made into a gorgeous wall hanging. And then there is also another Kwanzaa fabric from Spoonflower. There's a whole collection of Kwanzaa fabrics. I think there's like 376 uh, and I'm looking through all of these and they're very beautiful. So one of them has printed on there in a really bright gold color background, Kwanzaa Principles-107. That might be the fabric number, but it's a, it, the fabric name is Kwanzaa Principles. And then there's other just really beautiful fabrics. I really love this one called African Life Unbroken Circle. There's a map of Africa. Uh, on a circle, there's an elephant, and there's these beautiful shades of reds uh, with green leaves. That one I really love. And the, there's a stripe. Um, so the red, yellow, green, and black stripes. There's just a lot of Kwanzaa fabrics on Spoonflower. So I have got a link right to it so that you can hop right on over there. There's a Kwanzaa holiday fabric that's really gorgeous as well. That would make a really beautiful table runner because it's a bit more geometric and you can center onto a table runner really nicely uh, bordered in one of the stripes of the fabric that I see right underneath this one. <laughs> Those are more of the winter holiday panels that you could um, take a look at and create some projects from those. Uh, and aprons are a popular project to make because there is a lot of baking in um, all of our cultures. However, we celebrate the holidays. Baking and cooking is one of those with a common thread. Uh, so you need an apron to make all those yummy foods. Okay, so let's look at some projects, decorative accents. There is a, such a cute pattern. I just got this pattern. I haven't made them yet, but it's the Fabric Pumpkins by Minky Kim. And she's got about four sizes of these pumpkins from really small to an extra large. And they are stuffed pumpkins. And you can make a whole vignette of fabric pumpkins um, and you can put them on a tray or you can put them uh, in a bowl on a coffee table or on a, a kitchen table. So cute. And what I like about because there are a ton of pumpkin patterns out there. But this one, what I like about it is the flexible and cute stem design that she made where you can twist it and it curls up or bend it. Uh, and it really just adds a bit more fun character to these pumpkins, as well as the option to hand stitch uh, where the sections of the pumpkin curve in. It gives that a bit more dimension as well. They're very cute. I thought that that was really a cute design on these fabric pumpkins by Minky Kim. Other decorative accents that you can make are buntings. And buntings can be made from any shape, anything you want, um, fabrics you have on hand or uh, some of these cute fabrics that I mentioned above um, or before, <laughs> above on my notes, but before. Uh, and um, 
some cute ideas. So if you have um, a die cutter machine and let's say maybe you have already purchased some of these shaped dies in the past, it could be circles. It could be actual. I actually have pumpkin. Um, do I have pumpkin dies? No, I don't have it yet. I wanted to get those for a long time, but I never got it. But I have autumn leaves. So um, I have made buntings with the autumn leaf uh, uh, die from AccuQuilts. They're so cute. And with my nieces and nephews, I cut, we cut them out. They love rolling the die through the machine. And um, we just put felt on there. So there is no sewing. There's no turning them inside out. And the leaves are, um, there's like three different types of leaves. And there's a little acorn um, on all on the same die and it makes a really cute fall, um, a bunting or garland actually. Pillows are another quick to make, but, uh, yields big results in decorating a room, decorating your family room, um, living room, and just changing out the pillows and making them in a really fun and nice um, fabric is great. And you don't have to like piece quilt the front of the pillows if you don't want to. Pillows can just be made with two pieces of fabric that, you know, this is where you can use a larger print fabric. And you can use the same fabric on front and back, or you can use a statement fabric with a solid fabric on the back. Um, I mean, you could make a pillow in like 30 minutes if all you're going to do is cut out two squares and sew them together, stuff it with a pillow form and close it up. That would be called a knife edge pillow because it has no trim around it at all. It's just a, you know, and that's a bit more of a contemporary design. I always like to put uh, a, um, a welting around a pillow. I think it just finishes it finishes it off really nicely and completely elevates the look. Uh, and to buy a um, a piped or welted or corded trimmed pillow, it gets more expensive. And because there's more labor in it, of course, but I just think it looks very nice. And because you sew, you can do this easily. It's not very hard to put piping or welting on a pillow. I do need to do um, a video on that because just because I've been making pillows recently, uh, it's something that um, would, I think, be helpful because um, I think a lot, a lot of us might be intimidated by adding trims to a pillow or even adding zippers. Um, but it's, it's not that hard and, uh, it can be done and you can always hand close a pillow. It's very easy to do that. But if you want to clean it, then you have to rip out that hand stitch closure to, to wash it in the washing machine. If you put a zipper in, it's just a matter of unzipping it and, and like a regular pillowcase. Um, so something to think about. Uh, another project, of course, are table runners and napkins. Think about cloth napkins. Um, I know that it adds to laundry, but, you know, there's a whole like scales of balance of, you know, it, it helps the environment, but it also uses more water with laundry. Deter 
you could go down that rabbit hole, but fabric napkins are nice to have uh, around the holidays. And themed napkins, for instance, Halloween ones would be so, so cute. And they're so quick to make. Uh, So think about making just some fabric napkins. You could get, mm, I would say you could get four napkins from a yard of fabric. They would be smaller on the smaller size. Uh, They wouldn't be dinner size napkins, but they would be a nice lunch size napkin, which is perfectly fine for everyday dining. I mean, a a dinner size napkin is more of like a formal thing anyway, and they're about 20 inches square. It's a lot of fabric and not necessary for just casual, casual dining, which is what most of us do. And you could make 16 or 17 inch square napkins, whatever that yard of fabric uh, allows you to cut. One thing about napkins, though, are that fabrics that are digitally printed or screen printed are only on the face side of the fabric. The reverse side of that fabric is going to be the white. So you'll be able to see that if the napkins are folded or using the napkins. Normally, you want to look for a fabric that is solid on both sides or has, you know, woven so that the pattern is on both sides. So it's like a finished fabric on both sides. And then all you have to do is hem up um, around the edges and it's a single layer napkin. That is ideal. Let's say um, you could get any of those Essex linens would make a beautiful finished napkin. They are a solid color. If you wanted to punch it up, you could embroider it. You could put a, um, a Sashiko stitched edge around it. Um, but those would look very nice. Uh, if you want to do a quilting fabric where it's printed and it has a really pretty theme, you could still do that. You would just know that on the backs of them, um, you would see like the the back side of the the whites unprinted side of those. Uh, you could do a reversed fabric, so it's a double layer napkin where it's a quilting fabric on both sides, um, and sew it like a pillow. That way, there's no ugly side of the napkin, or I shouldn't say ugly, but unfinished side of the napkin, which is only preference. Nothing wrong with it at all. The thing to remember on a two fabric napkin. It's just heavier, two layers of fabric, twice as much of fabric that you're going to use. I would I would try to just do a fabric that um, is going to look nice on both sides or a fabric that you're going to be happy with seeing um, both sides, whether, you know, whatever it is. Anyway, that's just kind of like a design tip. Okay, let's leave the, the dining table <laughs> and... Uh, get into more decorative accents. So fabric Christmas trees, those stuffed ones have been very popular over the years. And I haven't made one yet. I really need to make one. I've wanted to make one, but haven't taken the time for it yet. Um, I don't have a link to a pattern for that, but they're all over the place. They're everywhere. um, Fabric Christmas trees. Also, there are fabric Christmas tree patterns. I actually have a pattern from, I think it's from Webs, um, but it's a knitted one. So you knit 
Christmas tree. It's kind of like in a conical shape. The yarn that they used with it had like little iridescent sequins in it uh, with a soft fuzzy yarn. It just looks so pretty. That is a knitting pattern. I should find the link for that. Um, but if I don't, uh, check out the web's website. It's at yarn.com. Um, and also you can crochet Christmas tree as well. Um, and fabric ornaments. So um, everyone is familiar with the Scandinavian folded star. Uh, that one came out, uh, I would say at least five years ago in popularity again. It's been around forever, but um, you know how things become trendy. And so this one is still um, alive and well as a trend. And I have a link to a tutorial for a Scandinavian folded star by Kate at the last homely house. She does a very good tutorial on it. I've made those and they're very easy to make and they make for great gifts as um, they're just really pretty ornaments, especially when they're made from Liberty fabrics. There's another type of star ornament and it is gorgeous. It's um, a no-sew Scandinavian star ornament. There's a tutorial by Shabby Fabrics. I have a link to this tutorial. And it is a much more ornate, I would say. Mm, yeah, it, it's, it's just a lot more to it than just the folded star one. But it looks beautiful. And you can make it in different sizes. And it's um, depending on, you know, what you use to make it, but basically it's a very structured star and still made out of fabric, but um, the fabric is stabilized with a very heavy um, stabilizer. It, it'll be in actually the tutorial by um, Jennifer at Shabby Fabrics. She will mention the um, heavy-duty stabilizer that you iron on to the back of the fabric, and that's how it keeps its structure, shape so beautiful. And it can be a small ornament, or it can be made into a large star tree topper. Very pretty. I have a link to a wool felt minton ornament. These are so so cute, um, and they're made out of wool felt, so not anything too difficult to make. But um, again results in um, a really nice looking ornament that for yourself or for gifts. Uh, I have a link also to an embroidery hoop ornament. And um, these make excellent gifts as well. But also make some for your tree. <laughs> I find that I always keep making stuff for everybody else and then end up with nothing. <laughs> Yeah, make some of these ornaments for yourself, for your tree, for your family. Okay, for crochet, there's a very cute crochet amigurumi Christmas tree ornament. The one that they have made up here, this is by uh, a tutorial, and it's free by uh, Craft Passion, Free Patterns and Tutorials. So the amigurumi Christmas tree is made, um, they have it made up in green yarn, but then there's a really cute um, garland that is attached. So I'm sure it's crocheted, um, almost looks like um, a tube, and then wrap it around the 
um, Christmas tree and stitch it on there. Uh, and then there's a cute little um, gold yarn star at the top of this tree, uh, and it makes a really pretty ornament. I love the texture of amigurumi. It's really beautiful. Uh, and I also love handmade ornaments. Uh, I think that they add just an additional personalization to um, decorating. Finally, I have the Knitted Christmas Balls by Arne and Carlos. I talk about these almost every year since the past couple of years. And I love making these. Now that I finally have learned how to use double-pointed needles and um, have um, learned my pearl stitch really well, <laughs> uh, I love making these. So um, every year they come out with a new set of uh, Christmas balls ornaments. So I'm sure usually they come out maybe um, in later October, I think. And uh, I have a link to last year's uh, Knitted Christmas Balls by Arne and Carlos. I also have their book that has 55, the, the book that started it all uh, with their Christmas um, knitted balls ornaments and um yeah there's so much more there is just so much out there I don't know has this made your head spin at all <laughs> there are no shortages of ideas projects pattern and fabrics to make seasonal decorations to your heart's content my problem though remains the same I want to make them all I do and I just can't uh I I'll find one day I I have to I have that hope the hope is still alive that I can make everything I can and will make everything that I want to make someday uh but until then I've got plenty to work on uh and I definitely have no shortage of projects Okay so I am going to finish up this episode with the chit chat segment I mentioned on the last episode that I took an online Sashiko class by Atushi on Domestica. And I made my first Sashiko project since taking this class and learning the Japanese way of Sashiko stitching, which is very different than how Sashiko has been taught here in America. Um, there's a definite difference in technique and it's awkward to, as, as is any new craft or skill, it's, it's a different way um, that you're moving your fingers and hands and guiding the needle through the fabric. But um, with some practice, I've already become um, so much better at it. And that's just how you get better is just by doing uh, so I, I, my first project after learning this new technique is um, I made kitchen towels from white sarashi fabric that I got from Amazon. And that fabric is from Japan. Um, sarashi kitchen towels are very popular in Japan because they are absorbent and strong. Uh, they're also very lightweight. The sarashi fabric comes in a towel width of about 13 and 3 8 inches wide. And then you only have to cut 
the desired length times two because you make it into a double layer that gets sashiko stitched together. So it's it's a very easy project to make when you get this sarashi fabric. It's white fabric and it's almost like a single ply gauze fabric, very lightweight. Uh, but the sashiko stitching further strengthens the fabric as well, which is really has been the point of sashiko stitching for um, centuries. I used Daruma thick sashiko thread in autumnal colors from there are sets of five colors of Daruma um, sashiko thread on Amazon. And I got the one there's five autumnal colors of this burnt orange and gold, yellow, green and brown, very pretty. And um, so the um, the towel, the stitching that I did on the towel are just like a stripe pattern um, spaced across the towel. Um, in groups of three stripes, which are three colors that are repeated um, about five times across the towel. So that was very good practice for um, uh, Sashiko stitching. The Sashiko stitching bumped my evening knitting for a couple of weeks, and now I'm back to knitting the prism blanket. Uh, I am on the second block of the second column, where now I have to join two sides of the block. Uh, to um, the blanket. So the bottom side of the block gets attached to the top of the first block, and then the left side of the block gets attached to the right side of the second block in the first column, if that makes any sense. <laughs> but in the first column, all I was attaching was the bottom of the block to the top of the previous one, all the way up the column. Now I've got a column and the previous block sides to attach for the rest of this column. And then after this column, there are two more columns left and then the blanket will be finished. So I will continue to work on that. It's um, it's a it's a big a throw blanket size project, but um, it, I think just broken down into those block sizes makes it um, much more doable. And um, I don't know, it just it's it's just the right amount of. Um, challenge to make it an interesting project all right and then as the blanket grows uh it just lays on my lap and the wool is just so uh, warm and soft and so i that also kind of like um gets me going to want to finish this blanket and to be able to use it throughout the cold winter months now it is time for me to make the baby swaddle blanket for my husband's co-worker and I think I will be making that tomorrow. I should have photos of that by the next episode. Knock on wood. I did complete the linen fabric dog print pillow and gifted it this week. I was really happy with how it turned out. And fortunately, cross my fingers, I had no drama with mistakes. Oh, it was really uh, nice. Uh, I had made five of these same pillows about nine months ago. 
And I'm really glad I took notes at that time. So when I was working through all of the issues at that time of making these pillows with the invisible zippers and the decorative cording, that's what helped refresh the project in my mind and uh, made it go smoothly this time when I just had that one pillow to make. Uh, So that's check off the list. All right, gardening. I have been picking and eating the heirloom indigo chocolate tomatoes like candy this month. They are the best tomatoes I have ever eaten. And I grew them from seed. Uh, the seeds are from Baker Creek. And uh, they these tomatoes are golf ball sized tomatoes. They are perfect. You could use one to make a sandwich. Uh, and that's I love how that works because... It, I don't have to cut into a larger tomato, wrap it up and make sure to remember to use it, um, you know, up before it uh, goes bad. So these tomatoes, there's like no waste ever. And you could just snack on them. They're just perfect. And they're so juicy and flavorful. Um, So I I definitely am going to grow those again next year. The um, those yellow pear tomatoes they're like grape tomatoes and they're in pear shapes they I don't know that they didn't work out for me they're the skins are quite tough and um they're a bit sour tasting so um I didn't like those and I will not plant those again (laughs) I don't know maybe they're they were tossing them away free for that reason who knows but I do not like those one bit um and that at least crosses off one thing I do not have to plant this coming winter so another thing that I have done is uh, last weekend I took all of my houseplants outside and repotted them, some um, with just new soil in the same pot. A couple of them I switched around um, sizes of pots, and I had a few new plants to add. There is one leafy plant that we got from the garden center last week or two weeks ago, and I don't know the name of it, but it's really pretty. It has a It has deep green leaves with a variegated white veining on them. And the leaves sort of look like pothos-shaped leaves, although not quite as wide, heart-shaped. And this plant also grows, um, it looks like to me, um, straight up and not sort of like viney. Uh, So um, it's interesting. My husband picked that one out. So that's another reason why I don't know the name of it. (laughs) Uh, Because there was no tag or anything identifying it on the little um, container that it came in. And then I picked out at that garden center a beautiful cyclamen. um, And it's got these beautiful deep fuchsia flowers. It's so pretty. So those, oh, and one more new one. We also got a an herb, Italian oregano, that was on um, clearance. And so I, that one I um, planted in a, a smaller pot that is went that went on my kitchen windowsill. So I'm uh, growing some herbs for um, indoors winter herbs. We'll see how it goes. So I got that oregano, and then I had propagated a spearmint um, plant from one of my spearmint 
herbs that I grew from seed. So uh, that one also went into a small pot onto the windowsill and um, basil. That's what I have so far. I think I might grow. um, Oh, no, I have thyme as well. (laughs) So, so far I've got thyme, basil, spearmint, and oregano on the kitchen windowsill. And to help those succeed through the winter, I got LED plant strip lights to put at the top of the kitchen sink window over the plants on the windowsill. So this is a north-facing window, and it also faces the brick wall of the neighbor's house. So there's not a whole lot of natural light to sustain these herbs in the winter, and in addition where the sun will be setting at 4 p.m. in December. And I think I like them. I don't even know why I did not think to do this sooner than now. It's it's just like it happens to all of us where finally we discover, hey, I could do this. Why didn't I do this uh, like years ago? Well, this is one of those one of those things, those moments for me. Uh, so they're just small little 13 inch long. They're really thin. It's a one single strip LED light. There's a timer on them you and um, different strengths of the light. So I hope that that will work for the plants on the windowsill this winter. Okay, so let's move on to my final topic of chit chat, which is what I am watching. I finished up a K-drama called Flower of Evil. It was a very good and thought-provoking show about, you guessed it, a serial killer. (laughs) You must think that I am the most morbid person on the planet, but I am really drawn to detective crime shows that are trying to catch a serial killer. It's just, I don't know, they they tend to be um, very, you have to think a lot and you have to solve the murder and you have to there's just a lot going on that I really love about those types of shows. Uh, and this show takes it a step further to um, a serial killer. He's a known serial killer, but his son, who is living under an alias, and he's married to a police detective. How coincidental. And they have the cutest little girl. The other thing I loved about this show is the levity of humor sprinkled in throughout. K-dramas have this in almost every one of their shows. They have this level of humor that um, is just so, I don't know, placed perfectly in there. Not too much, not too little. Uh, And the layers of the main characters are really fascinating and profound And in this show, things are not always as they seem. So if you do not mind subtitles, this is a very good K-drama series to watch. Um, I can watch it while I'm knitting. And um, it's really, it's really a good show. A lot of, a lot more of these K-dramas coming out onto Netflix. This is on Netflix, by the way. Um, A lot of them are coming with, um, English versions, dubbed English versions, so that um, I always check first to see if it's there, because if it is, maybe then my husband will watch it with me. But if not, um, I prefer listening to the original language. Um, 
it. And because you get um, the subtitles are a different um, meaning or they're, 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 there's just they're written differently than if it was dubbed in English. So it's hard to describe that, but that's what happens uh, with some of these foreign foreign shows. Um, there are some uh, Polish foreign crime detective dramas I've been watching um, and Scandinavian ones. Um, I mean, I think I've pretty much watched all of the Scandinavian ones. And I think that, uh, you know, Norway, Denmark, Finland, they need to like, you know, put some more shows onto Netflix, please, because <laughs> I've watched all of your shows already. I love those as well. The Scandinavian ones are just very, um, I don't know, they're different in a way. So, and very interesting. And also the cinematography is beautiful. I just love the landscapes of um, Norway and everywhere um, in that Scandinavia. Finland has some gorgeous landscaping and a lot of snow. All right, so since we're entering Halloween month, I'm going to talk about the new season of American Horror Story. Kim Kardashian is a guest starring this season. And of course, the regulars are back if you have been watching this show um, for any length of time. They are back as different characters. So the show every season has a different total storyline, different characters. But the the actors that play these characters come back um, every season, most of them, and uh, they play different characters. Uh, so um, this one... Um, if it weren't for my husband, really, I probably would not watch this show because uh, it is definitely horror. So um, but anyway, back to Kim Kardashian. She's pretty good in this role and she plays an agent to actors and which is not a far stretch to what her mom does in real life with the family of Kardashians. But it's it's like I said, it's definitely horror. There are disturbing Photos in the opening credits, which I love to skip or not look at them. And there's only a couple of episodes out so far. Um, and the new ones are released weekly. We are watching this on Hulu. I think it is also on like an AMC channel or something. But American Horror Story, if this is your type of show, it's not for you if you do not like horror shows. Oh, speaking of horror. My so-called NFL football team, the Chicago Bears, are the worst team in the NFL this season. Yeah, they're number 32 out <laughs> of 32 teams. Oh, they have not been this bad in my lifetime. It is so hard. It is definitely like watching a horror show every week. We are three games in and each game just when you think it can't get more embarrassing, it does. It's more embarrassing than the last. Something big needs to change, like yesterday with this team. I'm thinking, head coach, bye bye Change up the defense players because what they're doing now is not working at all. It. I just am flabbergasted. And while my husband is much more vocal and takes it a lot harder than I do. Uh, 
I mean, he listens to all of those sports commentators and he loves, loves hearing them yelling. I mean, and so worked up. Um, And poor our quarterback, poor Justin Fields. He does not have a lot to work with, really. And he's getting, I mean, the sports commentators are bashing him. Fans probably are. But, you know, he needs, like, help. (laughs) He needs defenders. He needs, um, you know, wide receivers that will actually catch the ball and run it. Running, oh my gosh, I could just go on and on. But yeah, so I have not talked about football in a long time. So I was due. (laughs) Uh, And that's all I'll say. All right. The last show I'm going to tell you about is on Hulu, and it is a new season of Welcome to Wrexham. Yes, it's an, another sports <laughs> show, but <laughs> um, even if you're not a sports fan, you will probably like this show because, well, first of all, the episodes are kind of short, so they're like 20 minutes. And it's so uplifting to see the transformation of this village or town, whatever it is. It's in Wrexham in Wales. And Hollywood actors Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney bought the Wrexham football team, which is soccer to us, a couple years ago. This team was in a depressed state with being relegated to the lowest level of soccer in the UK. The town's economy was in a similar state. And the town and the team had been through really bad experiences with previous ownership of this soccer team who took advantage of them. They were not upstanding in the least. And now, two years ago, they were purchased by um, Ryan and Rob, and they're winning games. They've been um, promoted to the next level up, uh, and um, the town was wary at first. If you watch the first season, they're very wary with good reason. But now um, Ryan and Rob have really proven themselves. They've really given their all with owning this team. They didn't just buy it as another business added to their portfolio. They really have been involved. They go out there often and um, uh, they're adding to their um, field or stadium, whatever they call it. Uh, building it up really nicely. Uh, Lots of people are attending these games and the town has had a boost in tourist business. They've got these really nice team merchandise and this documentary show that has really uplifted their economy. And (laughs) it's very funny. The show is funny and it's heartwarming and it just it just documents this whole process and they interview fans and people who live there. They interview the people who were working for the team, some of the players and the coach, uh, the coach is hilarious. He swears so much. And in fact, so much so that they actually did um, a locker room scene where they had a little counter on the screen and how many times he says the F word. (laughs) And it's crazy. It's just, um, it's really a very heartwarming show that I think you'll like really very much. And that will be a wrap to this episode. Thank you all for listening. You can rate and review the show on Apple podcast and Spotify, I believe. And don't forget, join my Patreon group for free 
and let's keep that maker party going. I would love to see you there. Until next time, keep making and decorating. Bye-bye. If you love the Make and Decorate with Stephanie podcast, check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash makeanddecorate. You'll get a bonus episode every month, even during the months that the show is on hiatus. Thanks for listening, and I will chat with you next time. Bye-bye.